Coming up on today's show, it's Starfield time, everybody. And welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. Except it's not Friday, everybody. It's Thursday, August 31st, which means it's Starfield Day. Yay. That's right. The embargo for review impressions has lifted for Bethesda Game Studios' RPG extravaganza, Ooh. which we're going to get into in just a moment. And we are just going to focus on Starfield just for this episode. But before we get into that, I'm Andrea Renee. Hello, everybody. Glad to be here. I'm joined by Mrs. Rihanna Manuel-Pena. I actually played this game. <laughs> Hooray! I'm so glad. Otherwise, this conversation would be very long and boring for you, probably. And Brittany Prompacher is also here. I am very burpy today, but I'll try to keep it in just for y'all. You know, I believe in the wonders of editing and noise gates. I think we can hopefully edit most of those burps out, everybody. Yeah. Thank you so much to this month's Patreon producers, Chewy's Godson, Ferris Atia, Justin Foshi, and Punctified. And welcome to our Patreon community at patreon.com slash what's good games. Andrew, we'll be doing our elite patron shout outs in just a little while. So thank you so much to everybody who supports our voices on Patreon and helps us keep the lights on. You can go get the show ad free there if you want. Speaking of ads, this show is brought to you by MeUndies and Shopify, but I'll tell you more about that later. Brittany, what's another way that people could maybe support the show if they don't have any dollars to drop onto Patreon? They could leave us a nice, shiny five-star review on their preferred podcast platform of choice. I think the Apple Podcast one helps us out the most, but if you are a solo Spotify listener, I won't complain. Please feel free to leave us a five-star review. They help us out. Mm, I almost said mucho mas, but that's grammatically incorrect in Spanish. Anyway, they help us out a lot. <laughs> they get us in the top list people find us and then they too can be welcome to the world of what's good games yeah, yeah. join us join us all right, everybody. When we were talking about this episode, we were like, do we even bother trying to recap any additional news that came out of Gamescom or anything else that may have happened? And we're like, nah, give the people what they want. All Starfield all the time. Yeah, Rhea was like, correctly, I don't even think there's anything else happening. There is a Nintendo Direct later this week that's going to cover the new Super Mario Wonder details, but can't wait for that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's quiet. Everyone's burnt out from Gamescom or getting ready for PAX or talking about this game. So that's all that we can really focus on, but it's exciting. Exactly. But before we dive into our hands-on, we wanted to just quickly mention some Starfield-specific news because I'm sure if you consume gaming media of any kind, including this show, you're seeing nothing but Starfield left and right. And because the hype for Bethesda's first new IP in, I believe Todd said 25 years, Ow. which is a little wild to think about, it has in fact pushed the other RPG darling off the charts. That's right. Baldur's Gate 3, your yesterday's news apparently, because <laughs> Starfield has pushed them off the steam. Game charts, top spot, and the game's not even out yet, ladies and gentlemen. Can you believe it? Yes. 
This is, I mean, honestly, <laughs> I can't believe it. No, I mean, this is, I, I, listen, like, Larian is still doing a fantastic job at supporting Baldur's Gate 3. They've done lots of hot fixes. They had the first major patch with over a thousand fixes to it. The second one's right around the corner. They're being very open, honest, and transparent with everything happening with that game. They were very successful before Baldur's Gate 3, don't get me wrong, but I think this game really propelled them to new heights. And so I think there's still, there's no comparing Larian to Bethesda. There's just not in terms of notoriety and different different studios. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So this isn't surprising at all. And I just hope people don't see this story and think like, oh, no, Baldur's Gate. They're still doing phenomenal. Don't worry about Baldur's Gate. And don't forget the PS5 release of Baldur's Gate 3 happens this week as well. And I'm hoping to be able to check that out in the future. But (laughs) is it this week? I thought it was September. Is it? It's next week. It's September 6th. Yeah. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen who are listening and watching the show, please give me a little grace this week. I'm working on a multi-day, almost multi-week sleep deficit because my two-year-old has decided she, one, doesn't want to go to bed and then doesn't want to stay asleep. If parents out there have children that have gone through this phase, you understand. And I'm doing my best right now. You're (laughs) You're doing great. I do want to give a big thank you to Xbox and Bethesda for giving us early access to the game and for also sending us some fantastic gifts, which you may have seen on our social media accounts. And they've just been a really wonderful publishing partner to work with. Xbox in general has been really fantastic to work with us over all of the years we've been doing What's Good Games. So big shout out to them. Very excited to be part of the early access period. So how do you want to go about doing this impressions. We're not going to call it an official review. You'll probably see the word review in the title or in the description because SEO need to do that for SEO reasons. But y'all know that this game is way too big for us to actually like see everything it has to offer in the time that we have right now. We will definitely keep talking about this game over the next few weeks and maybe months, but we've played a good amount of it between the three of us. Yeah, Yeah. that'd be a good place to start. Talk about how many hours we've played and kind of what our play style has been. So people are aware of that. And maybe also our previous Bethesda RPG experience, because I know we're very different levels here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that sounds great. And just as a reminder, if you are a regular listener of the show, but you haven't really been into the Starfield news, it is a space role-playing game coming out from Bethesda. It is in early access on August 31st and out globally on September 6th, both on Xbox, which is a console exclusive, and on PC. It has all kinds of fun bells and whistles attached to it, which we're going to get into. But basically, you take on the role of a space explorer and you head out into the galaxy in search of the big unknown. Sold me on it. Pitched it. But yeah, going off of what Ree's criteria was, which is great criteria. For me, I've never finished a Bethesda game before. I think what happens, I mean, I think the one that I've had the most air quote success with was the Elder Scrolls because it's fantasy and that's totally my shit. I think I played a hundred hours of that game, never finished it because I got too sidetracked with all of the fun stuff there is to see and do and really losing myself in that world in a really immersive way. I've started Fallout a few times. I never get super far into those because the post-apocalyptic shenaniganry really ain't my jam. Even Less my jam is games set in space that have a realistic undertone to them. So, <laughs> so going into this, I was really concerned about, you know, and I've said this for, I feel like years now, I think if there's one studio out there that could sell me on this concept of a space exploration game with, as of what I played right now, feels semi-realistic, right? It would be Bethesda. And that is one of the main reasons why I was so excited to hop in. So I've played about 35 hours of this game and I have done one story mission. 
All of the other. <laughs> just one. Just one. And I'm like halfway through, I think, my second one. Every hour I've spent playing this game has been me running around, getting sidetracked, and having an absolute blast. I didn't think I would get so sucked into this, I would say world, but that's like technically incorrect, this universe, if you will. But I am. I, I just, I'm just blown away, and I won't get too much into this because I still want to hear from, obviously, you and Ray about how far you are. But with all of the stuff there is to see and do and all of the abandoned space stations I find and the ships, and I'm just like, oh, I want to keep going and hoarding things because I had I picked the mortgage perk I think is what it is I have oh. I did too dream house baby dream let's go. house I picked that perk I picked the adoring fan perk and I picked the kids stuff perk so my parents are still around and I have to send them money every month but so I've been going around hoarding stuff because I want to pay my mortgage off and I think I have about two hundred thousand buckaroos right now because I've been doing a lot of hoarding and unloading but anyway that's where I'm at right now and I'll stop before I keep going okay Rihanna. So I have never finished any Bethesda games. I've played uh, maybe like 10-ish hours of Skyrim. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, only 10 uh, Only ten hours. It just didn't, okay. uh, you know. It, it wasn't your thing. Yeah. It's okay. It was cool. You're like this arrow to the knee business? Not for me. Yeah. Uh, no tried. arrows in my knees, please. Thank you. No, thank you. No, I gave it a shot. <laughs> Honestly, before this year, I probably played the most out of Fallout Shelter <laughs> of any Bethesda oh, game. Oh, okay. okay. Okay, very popular. Yeah. So, I mean, this year, of course, we had Hi-Fi Rush. We had Redfall and, and now this. So this, it's funny, I tweeted this earlier. It's like, this is the most Bethesda content I've ever played in my life all put together. <laughs> so I'm at around 13 hours in Starfield. And I just hit level 10 because I, too, like Brittany, have completely ignored this story. I've done zero story missions. I literally just went back and took off to start the first story mission. And that was maybe like an hour ago in my playtime. So (laughs) I have been doing nothing but side content and having obviously a really great time. As far as my goal, like the role-playing plans that I have, I would really like to become a space zoologist. I want to learn everything about all of the animals out there. I want to collect them all. I'm playing it like a Pokemon Snap. And <laughs> it's been wonderful. It's really scary. And so it's like, I have to, you know, kind of like... Scary? I have to... Yeah, it's it's frightening. The The animals are frightening. Oh. <laughs> They're frightening. There's like... I haven't seen like any like really big bad creatures yet, but the game is like... Definitely dropping lots of mm-hmm. hints that there's going to be some, oh yeah, you know, nasty creatures. I mean, in true Bethesda fashion, there should be, right? Oh yeah, it's oh, it's yeah. full on creature feature. And for context, I've also watched about another ten ish hours of gameplay from my husband Danny Pena from Game and Tech Radio, and he is like fully at New Game Plus you know, 60 hours plus. He's done a lot more content than I have. So my full experience, I'd say, is around 20-ish hours, varying from side random fun shenanigans and living the zoologist life. And Mm -hmm. what he's doing is more combat heavy. So I've seen a lot, but this is definitely the most Bethesda RPG I've ever gotten in my life. Did you pick any perks before you started? I didn't. I went zero perks, and I wonder if I might I do appreciate that the perks, those three perks are optional. I mean, there are some of the RPG stats for your character that aren't optional, but the perks 
are, which is to me great because it's the, here's a cool thing you get, but here's the negative thing that comes with it. And I was like, I don't like this. Yeah. And and we can get into this a lot more, obviously, but like apparently there's like whole missions and like dialogue trees and things that you can or can't access depending on which perch you pick. So lots of content out there. But yes, I'm trying to just, you know, build an outpost and start a quiet little trade farm and then just collect pictures of animals. Oh, I'm later. I'm going to have to talk to you about the outpost because I haven't even started an outpost yet. It's so deep. Yeah, I attempted to start an outpost and then I was like, I can't. I can't focus on this right now. I need to pin this and then come back to it. So I, like Britt, am around 30-ish hours into the game you know, we are our moms of toddlers, so we don't have the time to just sit down all day long and, and just keep playing. So I think that that's still pretty good, given that, you know, the game is technically out next week and we'll have more to say next week, of course. I have quite a bit of experience with Bethesda RPGs. I mean, I'm not one Emily Rose, who is hopefully going to be joining us next week as our Bethesda Game Studios expert that we have worked with in the past. But so it'll be really great to hear from her. But I mean, sunk multiple hundreds of hours into Elder Scrolls and also into the Fallout series and have been a general fan of Bethesda games since I, you know, have been playing video games. I didn't play a lot of the legacy Bethesda games, like some of the older games, like 20 plus years ago, most because they were PC games. (laughs) And I played PC games for a very specific time of my life and then became a console babe. So I have been doing almost nothing but story missions. <laughs> I, love it. I knew that you two like to get lost and wander and explore. And while I also enjoy that, I was like, I want to see as much of the actual like story and narrative of this game as I possibly can. But also in the back of my mind, knowing there's usually some gameplay components that are locked behind main story progression and I want to make sure I see all the cool stuff that I can do and then I can go back and go run errands for Jane down at the local watering hole whose ship went missing and you got to go find it right like there's a bazillion of those Mm -hmm. things that you get to do in this game that will be never ending so we all are kind of coming at it from a different perspective so I picked industrialist as my kind of core personality tenant during the character creation process, which has unlocked some really cool components in conversations for me and things that I can pick and select. So I've been very happy with my selection so far. Ooh, that's one thing that I always try to prioritize when I'm building these characters. And that's part of the reason why I'm doing it the way I am. So again, like I haven't done a lot of main story missions. I've done one, but I picked diplomacy. So I'm a diplomat and I've fully maxed out. Well, not fully maxed out. That's not right. I fully maxed out my carrying capacity because again, I'm a hoarder, but I'm now working on my persuasion. We We will talk about we're that. gonna we're gonna yeah. have a conversation about encumbrance. Oh god! Like very soon. But yeah, please we sure will. Oh, we sure will. So I've two out of four on my persuasion, and then I'm two out of four on stealth and pickpocketing. Because listen, sometimes you got to steal people's access keys because they're just <laughs> not going to hand it over to you. So when I'm building my character, it's interesting how they how they do the skills and progression. And now the only one I admittedly remember, I think, was Skyrim, where all I remember is working on my stealth and crouching behind a whole bunch of sleeping soldiers in the barracks and increasing my stealth skill. And I remember that's how I did it back in the day. But this time, and I don't know if they've done this in any recent games, but it's interesting because you have to fulfill a certain requirement before 
you can upgrade your skill to the next level. So for example, if I want to upgrade my lock picking, I have to pick five locks successfully before I'm even allowed to upgrade my lock picking to lock pick level three. And I think that's actually a really good way of doing it because that way you just can't bull rush everything that you want to do in the same tree. You actually have to be patient and wait until you come across those locks. So I've kind of enjoyed that. But again, like I want to go into this main campaign with the ability to persuade or intimidate anybody I want to get the results I want. So that's kind of like one of my motivating factors for doing all the side stuff first, because I'm assuming they have less story uh, consequences. I'm able to get my XP that way and go through them. Yeah. I mean, and to be clear, this game does allow for scum saving. I oh, mean, yeah. There's plenty of, of ways to get around that if that's the way that you want to play. But there's also so much content in this game that I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to have the mental load to actually attempt to manage scum saves because I can't fathom taking the time to go back and replay all of these scenes just to get the outcome I want, especially not knowing like what the repercussions are going to be. And I think the community will definitely have some really hardcore let's players and streamers who are going to try to unlock as much stuff as possible. Like the walkthrough business is a very big business <laughs> in video games, but that's still like at least a couple of weeks away before we get to see like what do all of these branching narrative paths actually mean for you as the individual player? Yeah, but do you want to have the awkward encumbrance conversation now? Well, I think it would be helpful maybe really quickly to say, are we focusing on mechanics first or like story first? Because I do want to give a very clear spoiler tag for folks who just really don't want to know any mission details. I mean, I think we should definitely just focus mechanics. This is going to be a spoiler-free conversation, but if you want to go in blind, I assume that you wouldn't be here. Yeah. Like, I if you don't want to see anything, if you want to hear nothing, like, you probably are in the wrong place. <laughs> but because we're also not that deep into the story, even as the person who's been focusing on the story, we don't have any, like, big secrets to reveal. Yeah, so, no, but, I was yeah. looking at the spoiler restrictions, and I'm like, I don't know what any of this means, so I can't talk yeah. about it anyway. I think, actually, what I really like to hear from the two of you. How are you even liking the game? We haven't even talked about that. Oh, yeah. What are your impressions and thoughts and overall temperature? I can go first you know, really yeah, quickly. Yeah, you go first. Let me collect my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> well, just as the newbie here, right, coming in with a, the, probably the freshest Bethesda eyes, at least, I'm liking the game. I will say it's not a hardcore love affair, but I'll go on a couple more dates. So Ooh. I enjoy many things about the game and really quick because we have a lot more to go into in depth about likes and dislikes. I enjoy the storytelling. I enjoy the voice acting. It looks beautiful. I've had very minimal bugs, if any. That Honestly, it's just people like characters turn the wrong way when they're talking to me. Have <laughs> so you had the no been, hair bug? Oh, yes. I, I got the no hair bug, but yeah. they fixed it in a they patch. Did. It was really like, everyone allegedly. was walking around bald and I thought that was just like the narrative choice or the artistic yeah. choice and I was like okay cool everyone looks great bald and then they all had hair oh I saw right away I was like oh there's the Bethesda jank that Aww. I knew yeah. was in here <laughs> no I, I, I haven't it. had any jank not at all Good. all the all the side stories and missions have been really fun and fleshed out there's really interesting lore to this world and again like keeping this light on spoilers I won't get into too much of like the factions and how earth became whatever it is now but I really really enjoy the world building and I definitely want to see more and to see more of the planets and the different flora and fauna and and meet more characters i really really enjoy especially how even quote-unquote empty planets like they only have like one outpost for instance if you run around you'll see more stuff like there's 
like abandoned mines with a bunch of people in it and some really cool weapons if you play through it. So that part of it is really fun. The discovery feels like it's really there. I don't like a couple of things. <laughs> like the encumbrance is a big one. Not a huge mm-hmm. fan of the combat so far. Um, I have have had issues with just traversal and with my companions not keeping up with me. And that there's been a, a more than a few moments where I'm, I'm completely lost on how to do something. So I will say I am looking forward to guides. <laughs> if anything, just like guides on how all of the, the different mechanics in the game work because there's so many systems. But yeah, I would say I, I very much like it not in love yet. I think that that's a really important thing to bring up, talking about mechanics. An open world RPG like this, it kind of just like dumps you in the world and allows you to free roam and doesn't really give you any like hard blocks or caps anywhere. It's going to run into that problem of, hey, we have so many systems in place that the player doesn't know how to manage. And I think what Starfield suffers from more so than a franchise like The Elder Scrolls, which is high fantasy based, is that they're relying a lot on scientifically based space sci-fi systems working together to kind of provide this fantasy simulation experience. And because of that, there's so much to parse that it actually kind of like makes your brain melt a little bit when you first start. Because like when you think about your opening 15 hours of Skyrim, a lot of it is just you running around, trying to pick up weapons, trying to pick up clothing items, talking to people in villages and basically just exploring. But Starfield is not that. You have to get to know your ship right away, which by the way, there's many subsystems, which we'll talk about a little bit later on. You have to figure out oxygen use on planets, how the jump and the boost pack works. You have to learn how to put your freaking spacesuit on, right? <laughs> like there's so many systems at play and the game hand holds you through none of it. And I'm not saying I need some big tutorial level. I think a lot of the allure of this game for players is like that idea that you can kind of just go in and experience it at your own pace and get lost. But for someone like me who goes in and all of it's laid out in front of me and I'm incredibly ADHD, I'm like, this is so overwhelming that it feels off-putting in a way. Like I want a little bit more of like a handheld crafted experience at the beginning and then yes, open it up and let me kind of, you know, play in the sandbox of space that is Starfield. But I think the game doesn't do enough in the beginning hours to really tell you about how your ship works, how landing at port works, how selling stuff works. Like, And you're right, Rihanna, that I think guides are going to do a lot of heavy lifting in the first couple of weeks. So I guess in one sense, I guess thank you, Bethesda, for keeping everyone who writes guides in business because, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot for them to unpack. There's a lot. I don't know if you guys have taken advantage of the help menu. You know, you push start and then there's like a help tab. Mm-hmm. That has yes. helped a little bit, but I think you two have echoed exactly what my frustrations are. You know, I remember I started the game, I did my one mission, and then there's people asking if I want them to join my crew. And I'm like, I don't know. Do I want you to join my crew? (laughs) Like, I'm broke as hell. Like, I don't know what good this does me. So I'm just going to like leave you. I've said yes to everybody. Like, I've said yes to literally everybody. So many people. I don't don't know. Sure. Yeah, no, but like they wanted money. And at the time, I was a poor, broke human trying to pay off my fucking $125,000 mortgage. I'm like, no, I'm going to leave you in the bar. Keep drinking your drink. And then I stumbled upon a planet, and then it gave me the option to build an outpost. I'm like, but why do I want to do this? And then it's like, yo, you know, you should store your resources on your cargo ship. And I'm like, but why? What are these resources good for? And again, like, I agree. I think at the beginning, 
you know, even a couple hours just handheld, like, oh, you have to build an outpost, you have to do this. I think that would have helped out a lot. And maybe this is the Bethesda charm and I'm just, you know, blissfully unaware, but it was a lot and there are a lot of systems. I try to hop into the shipbuilder and then it wasn't until I read the review guide we got and in there they give some tips, you know, and that's very common for games like this. But in there, you know, a lot of the activities were called late game and that was kind of confusing to me. I'm like, well, why is the ship building thing late game? Why is outpost considered late game? Does that mean like I shouldn't be able to do this now? And so I've just kind of put it on the back burner and I've just proceeded. But, you know, in just kind of going my own way and stumbling across my own paths and whatnot, I've learned a lot about the world. And I think it is really cool that I'm able just to go off and do my own thing and get incredibly powerful before I do hop into the main story. And I've just found that really, really fascinating. But yeah, I, I think it's there's been some hair pulling moments for sure where I'm like, what am I doing? The traversal too is really complicated at first. And I got it now, but for a while, I'm like, am I supposed to land? But your move so slow, it doesn't even look like you're moving also, at all. Also, they mapped the jump button to Y like jerks. Mm. Nobody puts the jump button on the yeah. Y I'm constantly button. jumping trying to switch weapons. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I, I, I can't tell you like, how many times I've pulled my weapon out. But guys will be helpful, I think, for sure. And I think a more handcrafted experience for the first few hours would have been very helpful. But now I got the hang of it, kind of. I still have questions, but it's fine. Yeah, the game overall definitely feels way more like Fallout in space than it feels like Skyrim in space. Mm. And I think that that's going to appeal to a certain Bethesda fan. But there was a lot of systems in Fallout that I tolerated, for lack of a better word, but didn't really enjoy that I'm tolerating here for the sake of seeing it because there is a lot of magic in this game. Mm -hmm. I want to highlight a moment. Just turning the game on, booting it up for the first time, and just marveling at how beautiful everything looks. Mm -hmm. So I believe we're all playing on Xbox Series X, correct? I'm on the S. You're playing on Series oh. S. So I was just blown away by the amount of work that Bethesda Game Studios as a team did because like, I think we as fans of BGS games just kind of accept the level of, again, the Bethesda jank in games because the vastness and the depths of their gameplay systems means that the sacrifice usually has to come in poly count in graphics somewhere, right? You just can't like build art for all of these things. And I just have been continually impressed over and over again by the quality of detail in every little thing. And I know that this has been a hallmark Bethesda game studio trait in a lot of their games where you can look at everything in the menu and go and inspect the items. And there's like a care and an attention to detail in the smallest of things that you're looking at in your menu and in your inventory. And I just, a lot of times, just stop and marvel at how beautiful this game is. Dude, the meatloaf in the inventory, I'm just going to say it. (laughs) I looted some meatloaf today, or I cooked it, rather. And I just like, I'm going to look at that meatloaf in the inventory. And it was beautiful. That was the most beautiful meatloaf I've ever seen. (laughs) Because you can rotate it every which way. And I was like, someone had to craft this. And they did a damn good job. I love that you brought that up because I also have a bunch of screenshots of some sweet buns from a grandma that I found in space. If you haven't run across grandma in space yet, Mm. there's literally a ship that's called grandma. And... That's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, but <laughs> she did give me some sweet buns, but she's got some very interesting things aboard her ship. Ooh. And it's an experience that I would say you should not ignore. When you see grandma's ship, if you're landing into wherever planet you're trying to jump into or whatever, grab jump into, and you see grandma, like, hail grandma. Hail grandma. And be like, <laughs> hail grandma. 
Because you can hail these ships, right? This is a big mm-hmm. mechanic of the exploration of space. As you know, as you're jumping between planets and systems, you'll come across ships and you can hail them like, hello, hi, how are you? And sometimes they respond back and sometimes they don't. But it's really cool the kind of branching paths that it can open up for like, what is that person doing? Who are they? Are they pirates? Are they not? Are they friends? Are they foes? Do they have something worth looting or do they just have junk aboard their ship? You never know until you actually like go check it out, right? And that's what I think people are very excited about for this game. And let me tell you, there is no shortage of it. You can as these two ladies have said, completely ignore the main quest line and just explore. I have a gameplay clip that I don't know if I'm going to be able to or if I'm even allowed to show pre-launch where I just show, where I scroll through mm. the Starfield map where you see just how many different systems you can jump between. And you guys, I don't think that number that Todd has said, there's over a thousand planets, uh-huh. really sinks in until you see the scope of the map and just how much you can do on each individual star system on the map. But it's a lot. I do not envy anybody who literally has to make a guide on everything you have to do in this game. It feels like an it's impossible so, task. It feels that's impossible. what I love about it. it yeah, I was on uh, the moon the other day, I think it was last night. And I was just wandering around, you know, just you I wasn't Earth, sure what to expect. Earth Moon, Earth right? Moon, yeah, Earth Moon, and I, you know, beautiful. You got the Milky Way galaxy, and you're just—it was a really cool moment. And then I just happened to come across an abandoned cryo facility, and I went in there. I spent about forty-five minutes to an hour in there, just exploring and learning what happened here, and reading notes and getting some pretty nice contraband. I will add. Now I got to figure out how I'm going to get that somewhere where I can Ooh, sell it. They're going to scan uh, I you. See, I got my first piece of contraband recently, and I just jettisoned. It. I was too nervous. I was, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was successful one time selling some stuff, and then I think I picked up human organs or something, and now I have to figure out, like, what do I do with this? But there are systems, obviously, where you can cover the contraband so they won't be able to find it. I haven't unlocked any of that yet. But no, I just spent all this time in there, and I found some really cool gear, some really cool stuff, and there was a narrative story that was told within that facility, and it was a complete random experience. And I always remember, I think, like, when I'm playing, I'm, I go into a room, I'm, okay, this has to be the end of whatever this is. Maybe it's an abandoned space yard or whatever and it keeps going and it keeps going and it keeps going and there are times where I'm like oh man like I just wish it would it would end so I can you know move on to the next thing but I'm just so into what I'm seeing that I just want to keep going more and exploring more and finding and you always feel rewarded I always feel like I find a really cool weapon mm-hmm. or a new suit or some really like a lot of credits but or Brittany, something this is a great time to talk about the fact that you can't take it all with you and boy oh boy are your companions Companions quick to be like, drop that junk. Why are you picking everything up? Every companion I've had has been like, girl, how are you carrying all that shit? I go, you leave me alone. I'll carry as much as this encumbrance will let me. I do the same. I talk the out encumbrance loud to them. is brutal. And I know we'll that encumbrance tell you about has the encumbrance a in a little bit, Andrea. No, we I, can't we talk about it right Let's now? Let's talk about it now. I, I have so many things to say. <laughs> it's a hard I was trying, it. admittedly, to give you a segue to our ad break. Oh, that's well, that's a good break. Let's take a quick break <laughs> while I get before I get too heated. And when we come back. We are going to talk about encumbrance, everybody. If you need an adult beverage, now would be a great time (laughs) to grab one. Enjoying this week's Starfield conversation. But before we get back to it, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Shopify. 
Do you hear that? That's the sound of another sale on Shopify and the moment another business dream becomes a reality. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or even IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling satin sheets from Shopify's in-person POS system, or maybe even offering delicious organic olive oil on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you're covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. That's right. No more abandoned carts at checkout, everybody. And here at What's Good Games, we've loved that Shopify has helped us bring custom merch into the hands of our biggest fans. So whether you're a small business like us, or maybe you're a really large business doing a lot of e-commerce, Shopify has tools for you. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering brands like Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash what's good, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash what's good to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash what's good. This episode of What's Good Games is also brought to you by Me Undies. Everyone has that one pair of underwear, you know the one. It's your go-to comfy pair for a sweatpants and gaming day, or maybe it's the one you wear on date night to set the mood for yourself. I love that. We all have something we like to wear when we want to feel confident, comfortable, or attractive. MeUndies opens up a whole new world where every pair of underwear is good enough to be the one for a specific feeling or occasion. MeUndies is here to expand your horizons by offering a variety of undies that can be your perfect match no matter the occasion or mood. Fancy a fun and vibrant day? Choose from our wide range of bold colors. Ready to break a sweat? Our Move Me collection is designed for dynamic movement. Wanting some downtime? Classic hues offer the ideal comfy vibe. And I love how they this ad opens up with your comfy gaming day and me undies. And that's kind of where I've been at lately because we have had some hot weather here in Washington. I think a few weeks ago it got to like 105. And when I tell you we are not prepared for that over here, and it was very much a little comfy boy shorts and tank top week, I would say day, but it lasted a whole week. And you know, these things let you breathe. So you're going to sweat no matter what, but at least you're sweating all the right places, like your armpits and other spots. But I'll leave that to your imagination. Anyway, because with me undies, comfort is not just an option, it's a guarantee. No matter what your day has in store, like 105 degrees and sweating, me undies ensures you feel great from the inside out. And to enjoy a 25% off discount on your first order and free standard shipping, head over to meundies.com slash WGG. And here's our promise to you. If you're not completely satisfied, it's on me undies. So why wait? Get 25% off of your first order at meundies.com slash WGG. All right, everybody, we're about to get in to a weighty topic. <laughs> nice. Sorry, I couldn't. It was just right there. I couldn't, I couldn't not <laughs> teeth that one up. Yes, we're going to talk about encumbrance, but before we do, we want to give a huge shout out to some people who've carried a lot of weight for us over the years. Nice. See, I'm just going to keep it going. You're on a roll. <laughs> on a, sleep deprivation looks good on you. Thank you. 
our wonderful elite patrons and above over at patreon.com slash what's good games. This is your monthly shout out where we read your names probably incorrectly, but the sentiment of our love for you remains the same. We're going to start with a huge <laughs> shout out to Steve French. And Dewey Rees. Hari Krishna Mehta. That's me. Maniac? Oh, Maniacal Mouse. That's it. That's that's <laughs> the name. It. Bill Rosas. Casual Blasphemy. Omega Buster. Daniel Hull. Oddities in Excess. <laughs> Trent Berry. Sean I. Brian L. Johnston. Patrick Landry. Rob Leonard. Trent Pennington. Jessica Bloom. And Patrick Weller. Noel Navarez. Tyler McCall. And Martha Sia. Adriana Rock Williams. Shy Jackson Burgess. Gary Peck. Robert F. Frimmering. Carmelna. Wall of Bill. Teresa Enoch. Andrew Cotton. Geo Corsi. Nikhil Humphrey. Oh, that John oh. Drake. Oh. <laughs> Trevor Starkey. Tara Bruno. Heisson de Merz. <laughs> nice and phlegmy. That's how I like it. <laughs> Justin Foshi. Punctified. Ferris Atia. And Bored Ape Gamers Club. Shout out. Formerly Chewie's godson. <laughs> I texted him today and I'm like, what the hell, Kevin? <laughs> great, that's great. Oh, that is one of Brittany's longtime friends who has been a fantastic supporter of our show, but clearly was like, listen, I need to change the name that you read. Why the bored ape, though? <laughs> that's funny. You know, Kevin's a mysterious human who works in mysterious ways. <laughs> Thank you, one. Thank you all for supporting us. We'd love that you guys take the time to, you know, be part of our show and be part of our community and are part of our wonderful community at patreon.com slash what's the games. Okay. The wait is over, everybody. Well, you, okay. Oh my <laughs> God. Pure gold. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I think I'm done now. No, please don't stop. I, 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 I'm committed to the bit now. I'll be disappointed. It's time to talk about encumbrance. So encumbrance, if you're like, what the heck is that word, is a video game mechanic that identifies a numeric value of weight, of load that you carry to items in your inventory, and then restricts you or your movement based on how much you're carrying, right? So let's just get that out of the way, right? In case people are like, what the heck are we talking about with encumbrance? Mm -hmm. It's a concept thanks to modern game making and the incredible power of new consoles and, of course, gaming PCs that has largely kind of gone away. And it's magical that it has gone away. I remember playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey and being flabbergasted that I never had to drop gear because I needed to make space that I literally could just hold everything I ever picked up. And I was like, wait, mm -hmm. is this real? This isn't real. I have to sell some stuff. And you do want to obviously sell things to make money, but I didn't have to sell or get rid of things because I didn't have room for them. And that was so freeing. And I was so hopeful that Bethesda, who loves encumbrance, and also loves to give you a bazillion fucking items to pick up everywhere you go. Brought back encumbrance and did not change it at all. Yeah. And, and it and fucking the, sucks, everybody. It sucks so hard. It sucks it, so, so hard. Yeah, it does. And part of me was like, well, is it... I would love to hear from someone who appreciates encumbrance in their games. And I part of me was like, well, is it because they don't want you to, quote, break it and sell everything and make all the money really quickly? And I thought, no, that's not a reason. Is it in here because it's a Because the heaviest of, stuff is... The cheapest. 
the resources, your iron, your cobalt, your silver, all of the things that you need for crafting weighs a fuck ton and is worth like one credit. I wish they would have made the resources weight free like they did the ammo because you need the resources for something. And as someone who's done nothing but side stuff, I have hundreds of pounds of resources and I don't know what quite to do with them yet. And so I'm just holding on to them and I'm holding on to them, but it's becoming a really big pain in the ass because when you are encumbered, you can run and you can sprint, but your oxygen meter very, very quickly depletes. And then if you keep running, then you start, I don't know what happens if you run all the way, but your CO2 goes up and you start losing health. Yeah, okay, so yeah. it goes into the red. So the way that encumbrance works here, and it's honestly like, to me, it's very tricksy and I don't quite care for it. But I do appreciate it more than the previous way that they've done encumbrance, which is once you're encumbered, your character moves really slowly Man. through the world until you drop things. Here, you move at the same speed at which you moved before, which is great. It's almost like you can like fake the fact that you're encumbered. Except as you mentioned, Brittany, you have to constantly manage your O2 meter. And when you are sprinting or walking while you're encumbered, it drains fast and then starts to go into the red. And if you go too far into the red, which means you're essentially consuming more carbon dioxide than oxygen, you start to lose health. And then it becomes the classic Bethesda, I have to pause my menu, go into my aid and eat 10,000 thousand individual pieces of fruit that are worth two health each in order to get everything back up to where it was. I mean, and that's like classic BGS. It really is. And that's why it feels so much more like Fallout than Skyrim to me, because it felt at least in Skyrim, the way that they had balanced using your potions and your abilities really felt magically motivated based off the kind of character and the race that you picked in the game. Here, you're not picking a race, right? Everyone's a human being and you get to pick, you know, like the color of your skin and the shape of your hair and things like that, that we don't consume oxygen differently, right? Than if we were like an alien or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so that part just feels punishing to be punishing in a game that's all about exploring the far reaches of the universe. And I'm just like, I don't know why in 2023, when the technology exists, I'm sorry, I'm going on a little bit of a rant here, but like I've hated encumbrance for a good long while. And this was the game that I was like, finally, it's a modern Bethesda RPG. We can put that bullshit encumbrance behind us. But Todd Howard and his team over at BGS was like, oh no, we can't make an RPG without encumbrance. We have to make people choose. And I'm like, if you're going to make people choose, then why the heck do you make every fucking thing selectable and pick upable and have (laughs) have a value to it? Like, why do I need to pick up 50,000 notebooks that are worth one credit each? Why? You have to make pay up your mortgage. <laughs> the thing that I can pick up, like who the fuck cares about pens and notebooks and cups? Let me tell you, I spent the first hour of the game picking up every succulent and plant I could find because I love decorating. And I've talked on this show about how I love looking at plant design in games. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to pick up all these cute plants and I'm going to put them. But it's not, I'm like, Andrew, this isn't fucking Animal Crossing. You can't like place the plants in your spaceship. That part of the outpost building and decorating comes as the review guy said, end game like it's much much later on in the process and so now here I am stuck with all these things I don't know why they didn't make it more generous and then make the things that are really high value weightier that's the thing that I'm just like I don't understand like the spacesuits and the helmets which also take up a lot of weight restriction in your encumbrance load also not worth that much 
I think about Baldur's Gate 3 real quick because you do have encumbrance in that game, but at any moment you can travel to your camp. It's literally a thing in your menu you can select, and then you have a treasure chest where it just has infinite capacity to store whatever the fuck you want. And you Diablo can do did it something any- similar, yeah. Right, right. And so so even your ships have a cargo equipment area where they can hold stuff too, but even those have a limit. And I just wish they would have made that not so. And I just wish I could think of a reason why this needs to exist. What benefit does it ha- add to the game? I can't can't think of one and it's very frustrating because I'm at a point right now where I have found multiple ships that I want to explore that look really great but I max capacity with my inventory my ship is my crewmates are and I have to find a way to sell this stuff but I can't sell anything because I have contraband on me and so now I'm stuck with all this bullshit I'm like do I just drop it in my ship and hope it stays there I think that's my next move anyway Rhea I'd love to hear you you can drop it in your ship and it will probably stay there Um, you can drop up to like a certain amount before it becomes like impossible to move on your ship yeah. as someone who's experienced with this. <laughs> so my issues with encumbrance go even deeper in this game particularly because at this point it has slowed my progression and I wouldn't say it's game breaking but it's definitely progression breaking which is not fun in a game that claims to let you do anything in any way you want. So I started the game with science and I think it's social as my main skill trees. My goal is to be able to set up a trader out to fund my exploration <laughs> endeavors. So you want to open a zoo. I built a zoo. That's the, that's I, the dream. You're, you are precious I, and we must protect you at all costs for you. That's all I'm going to say. That's the dream, right? Just to create yeah. a, a sanctuary for all of the galaxy's creatures. So in order to do that, I went with commerce as one of the skills that I'm working on as well as persuasion. And then all all of the sciencey stuff so I can scan further and find more resources on planets and like identify different rare animals and, and plants faster, things like that. So part of that is building up my commerce tree, which requires me to buy and sell unique items. So each notebook is a different unique item. Each pen can be a different mm-hmm. unique item depending on where I am in my skill tree and how many of these succulents have I found. If I've only found one, I can sell it to someone else and it might count to <laughs> progress that skill tree. So I have a vested interest in picking up all of the stupid things, all the paperweights, all of the different desk decorations, each right and left shoe that I have found. All of these things are necessary for me to progress in the skill tree. So the game has made it clear there is a vested interest for me as the gameplay and style that I'm going for to over encumber myself. And what that means is right now I can carry 135 pounds, I think is my capacity. So I'm constantly at 150 and running slow and stopping to breathe <laughs> like like I do in real life because I can't <laughs> run very quickly. So I go to a planet. I'm exploring. Maybe I'm doing a side mission to find a new type of creature or something. I'm scanning the area. I'm finding all of the flora and fauna. Everything's going wonderfully. Then I have too much stuff. Then I look to my left. I look to my right for Vasco, my robot companion, because he's also my pack horse. He's nowhere to be found because he can't traverse the landscape. Oh, yes. So that's the pro tip. He's gone. Re is just load up every companion. This is also why I've made friends with literally everybody. Because mm-hmm. you can, once you've made friends with them, and they even if they're not actively moving with you, you can just dump shit on them. Like, I have one mm-hmm. companion who's like my resource pack horse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and all I do is just give her, like, all of my, like, elements, and she just holds them all for me until I'm ready to go collect. <laughs> well, here's the problem. He's not next to me. So, if I'm exploring yes. the planet, I can't do that. So, I'm already over-encumbered. I'm trying to find more stuff because I'm not done exploring this planet. I want to go back to my ship to dump stuff. Maybe my cargo hold. Maybe I actually have room there. I can't fast travel if I'm over encumbered. So I have to walk back 
to the ship from wherever it is I wandered off to with all of this stuff. Maybe I came across, like I mentioned earlier, a really cool mining facility and there's a bunch of enemies and I fought all of them. Even encumbered, I beat all their asses and I took their stuff and it was really, really high level loot. And I'm like, okay, cool. Let me go back and bring all this back to my ship. I have to walk back slowly and stop. And then there's a new animal that I haven't quite befriended yet. So it tries to attack me and then it kills me. And then I lose all of it. It's not fun at all. Yeah. And fighting over encumbered, I did it. Not fun at all. I can't pick up a gun. I can't pick up more ammo. It just discourages me from playing the game the way that I want to play. And I understand if there is a dev reason why they thought that would be a good mechanic. The way I'm playing, it is hindering my enjoyment of the game. And seriously, docking points for me because I can't travel to my ship to drop it. My companion isn't there to dump stuff on because they can't walk across the terrain the way I can. And and then I can't even enjoy the things that I just found because I have to literally crawl back to my ship. And I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Yeah. No. There's. I don't know if you've tried this or not. Because if you're like me, you have hundreds of aid items in your menu. Some of them in- temporarily increase your I've used limit. them all the berry pops and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think mine was whiskey or something. I'm like, this is kind of fun. But yeah. Oh, yeah. No, the bourbon. Yeah. The bourbon. So yeah. I have done some digging in the past about like where are devs staying about why they keep bringing this back? Because as I mentioned... Thankfully, a lot of teams are kind of moving away from more old school encumbrance systems because from a technological perspective, people can carry as much shit as they want now, which is great. And I do want to mention to people that something that is nice is that if you do dump resources, crafting resources specifically into the hold of your ship, you can access them at workbenches around the world so you don't have to always have them on your person. But if Mm -hmm. you give them to a companion to hold, they do not count to your total pool of items. So that's something worth noting about like if there's specific types of items that are for weapon crafting, for example, you want to either hold them on yourself or put them in your cargo hold and not with a companion. But Rhea, I think you really perfectly encapsulated why it's so frustrating in a game like Starfield that's focused on exploration and kind of carving your own path through the universe because the crux of the narrative of Starfield, at least so far, is that you're part of this group called Constellation and your whole mission is just to go out into the universe and see what's out there and make contact and further humanity as a species and just kind of, you know, like be a pioneer, right? And I love that idea. I think it plays so well into this massive open world RPG that seems almost limitless in where you can go among these different star systems. But it brings you back down to earth quite literally so quickly with this encumbrance system and how punishing it is from the get-go. Because as you mentioned, like this idea that I'm trying to go explore a new thing But also, like, I have all these things that I don't yet know what I'm going to need them for. And I don't want to have to do busy work of going to farm them all when I see them while I'm just out exploring. Give me a place to store them and give me a better system for it. And the dev reasons I've seen in the past for encumbrance existing has been like, oh, well, we want to make it more believable, more real that you're a player. And I know that a lot of Starfield systems are based in actual science and reality. And they did the team at Bethesda did a lot of work with NASA and other groups to really kind of make it feel authentic. But at the same time, it's like, yo, we're fighting fucking monsters in space, okay? 
We're grab yeah, jumping no, I, I, but I, light years between fucking star systems. Can we just like suspend the disbelief about how many fucking notebooks I can carry at one time? That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I really don't have anything else to add. I think you both have just nailed it. It's a really frustrating system when we've seen other games perfect it and it really does take you out of the immersion. And the only reason I can imagine it's still in the game is A, artistic vision of some sort or B, it's just a staple of Bethesda games and they feel the need to continue because it's not a Bethesda game without encumbrance. I don't know. I don't like either one of those choices if that's really it. But I just wish it didn't exist because yeah, like I I found so many cool places I want to go, but I have nowhere to put my stuff. So I don't know what to do. And this is, and there's such a cool skill tree. Yeah. Am I exploring it? Fuck no. I'm putting all of my points into fucking weightlifting, which is the, which is the encumbrance mechanic under the physical skill tree. So there's five major branches of the RPG skill tree in the game. And underneath physical, which is, you know, a lot of your, like, the way your body works in space, Mm -hmm. is weightlifting, which is how much can you carry around. And there are ships that have very big cargo holds. Like, the one that I saw that had the biggest cargo hold. So, your starting ship, the Frontier's cargo hold is about 450 kilograms, I believe. Your person can hold 150 for reference. So your ship can hold essentially like three to four times what you can hold. And then each of your companions can hold between like 90 and 150, depending on, you know, who they are and what they are. So it's like you can kind of figure out who's going to hold what, right? So I have like some people I just dump like gear, like guns and clothes on and other people that I just dump, you know, aid and other things on. But the ships, the biggest ship I saw could hold 2000 kilograms. Ooh, I need that. But that ship was also like 120,000 credits. Oh, I'm rich. I've been selling toilet paper rolls, girl. <laughs> I got money. Yeah. I'm good. I, am so, I actually So you can that? definitely like buy ships, but like the entry level cost um, yeah. is so high. And I think like the reason why we're belaboring this point is because there's so much wonder and mystery and magic in this game from the jump, which is so exciting and so phenomenal. And it's ruined almost instantly by this constant perpetual need to min-max your fucking inventory, which, by the way, I do want to talk about what I think is a very poor inventory UI flow in the game. Yes, part two of that. (laughs) But I'm glad we got this all off our chest, and I fully expect other people who are reviewing the game or playing in early access to have similar thoughts because, like, I don't think there's a single person out there being like, encumbrance is my favorite feature, I mean, it's a feature that you manage and can understand and go, it's part of like the min-maxing of the game. But in a game, like you guys said, that focuses again on outpost building, like the Fallout series does, I just like, please just let it be gone. Just let it be gone. It's such a waste of time. And also, to be fair, I know that some of our guidance has said that the outpost building and research projects and all that get considered late game activities. Of course, I went straight to the activities tab and started doing those first. Because the game doesn't tell (laughs) you, you. hey, maybe you should wait to build an outpost until you know what you're doing. Because I tried to put an outpost on the moon, but the game doesn't register that I have an outpost there because I'm pretty sure that I didn't put the proper (laughs) systems in place because you have to research. Mm -hmm. There's a research table on your ship. And in order to unlock the things you need for your outpost, you have to unlock outpost engineering in Mm -hmm. your fucking RPG progression tab, which is like two or three trees deep. Yep. And I'm like, ugh, why are you even giving me the ability to place outposts then? So I've been doing all that stuff completely out of order because it lets me. 
and to see how broken yeah. it is, right? All of these resources that, you know, we're like, we're not sure like what you need it for and all that. You need it for this outpost mm-hmm. stuff. And you also need um, to make an outpost if you want to scan planets further. So again, this whole, I want to see everything on these planets and discover all these previously unknown species. I need to build an outpost to do that. And some of my very first missions are like, discover a new life form. I'm like, cool, how? <laughs> so I build an outpost to try to scan further. And then I try to get resources so I can do research projects to create more modules for my outpost to scan even further. But then I, I run out of space for my resources because I'm over encumbered and I have to walk back to my ship too far. And now outposts have resource chests right that you could that stuff goes into you can build that yes and you can also make them into mining facilities if you like you hire the right people you get the right research and they can start farming resources for you and storing them as well but again it takes so long because you have to carry every brick by hand across the entire planet and it won't help you do that in, in any well, capacity. And the game gives you the ability to collect really like high level and exotic resources, but you don't have the ability to use them in crafting until much later in the game. Mm-hmm. I'm talking probably like at least 40, 50 hours deep into the game. And I almost wish at the jump that they would just say, hey, it's good that you logged where you could pick up like chlorine and like tetrafluorines and all these weird elements that that exist on the periodic table that you're like, I don't, that's not a real thing, but it is. And you're going to need it for some exotic crafting later on, but you ain't going to need it now. And again, it's all heavy as fuck. Mm. And then sometimes someone will be like, you know what? You did a great job. Here's 35 pieces of iron for you as a reward. And I'm like, bitch, I don't need fucking like... (laughs) 20 pounds of iron worth 20 credits. This is Get a out of here. Valley. <laughs> yeah. Yes. See, that's where I would want a bunch of iron dropped on my ass as a reward, please. But not this game. Cause in dreamlight Valley, I can hold as much iron as I fucking want in as many chests as I want. And like, I can access them all over the Valley and I'm never encumbered. God bless you. Game lots. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I just, we're not going to keep belaboring it because we've obviously talked about it, but like it's a huge pain point in a game and it's just like a head scratcher in an ecosystem where it doesn't need to exist or definitely doesn't even need to exist as egregiously mm-hmm. as it exists at the beginning of the game. Like sure, make the more exotic stuff mid to late game, make you have to min-max it once you get a hold of it. But like you said, it just feels punishing more than anything. Yeah. And for context, like usually I run with a helmet that I have on, a suit, a backpack, I have a full suite of guns, so that's what, 1, 2, 3, mm-hmm. 4, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, and maybe like 10, 8 items, and I'm at 100 already Yeah, out of my carrying capacity. My max capacity is 250. Wow. Mine's 135 because I'm a little baby. And it's not enough. Wait, where'd yeah. you get a backpack? My mom and dad's house. My mama found it for me, and she set it aside for me. Wait, if I had known That's that awesome. the mom and dad branch gives you a hundred extra kilograms of encumbrance. No, no, no. no. I don't think it's that much. Because you I start mean, I with my, 150. I, I I'm at 135. I've, I've never been at 150. Okay, maybe I'm at 150 because I've, I've, I'm building the weightlifting yeah. branch. So my weightlifting is maxed out. And then I have oh, the backpack, okay. which has extra capacity. Got it. Yeah. So if you've yeah, maxed yeah. out your weightlifting tree, then that adds quite a bit of mm-hmm. extra space. It does, but yeah. it's not enough. <laughs> no, the spacesuits also are expensive. But then the game is like, make sure you have spacesuits and helmets for different experiences as you're always traveling between different planets. I'm like, like, yeah, bitch, where am I supposed to put all these different spacesuits? With my resources and there's Ugh. not enough room. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely an issue and probably the biggest one I have, you know, from just like a mechanic standpoint. And I, I hope, I 
I don't think it's going to go away. I don't think they're going to patch it out. But if they did, I would be very supremely happy. I think what's interesting about our discussion about this game is that I think when you have a Bethesda game, there are just such high expectations. There are certain things you expect, right? You expect an incredible world building, something that maybe doesn't hold your hand unless you experience it all for yourself. Endless mechanics, really in-depth progression system and all a bunch of other shit you can do. And I just want to say like so far, like besides the things we've talked about, it's met my expectations. And I think just because it's a Bethesda game, we perhaps just like aren't singing the praises because we're like, oh, of course this is expected from them. You know, anything else would be bad. But I just do want to toot their horn and say like, Despite the some of the, the frustrations, it has been an absolute blast getting to learn what this world is all about and the culture of this world and who all the factions are just from playing it. I think it's, you know, Baldur's Gate 3, again, is one that I always talk about. But I think that, you know, is another example of a game that has just really succeeded at it. And it feels like this game, like you said earlier, Andrew, is just literally endless. I feel like it is literally an entire world. I feel like every ship I come across, every, I'm an air quote, dungeon, even though they're not really dungeons I come across, feels like super handcrafted so far. And maybe as I go down and do more they'll start feeling a little samey but these ships just go on and on and they're all so fun to look at and I just find myself marveling at the details and how they really reward exploration and it is just again like I said at the top I'm having an absolute blast I just don't know when the hell I'm ever going to finish this thing ladies I don't think that us ranting about encumbrance took away from us like raving about how great the game is in a myriad of other ways you know like I think like there's a lot of expectations for this game as you mentioned. And I think people are going to look at this game as arguably one of the best RPGs that's come out, you know, in the last five years, if not the last 10 years. But it still has some of the core problems that Bethesda Game Studios as a studio has had with their other franchises as well. But there's no one perfect game. And that's why I think looking at what Larian is doing with Baldur's Gate 3 is so interesting because it does feel like people don't really have complaints about that game at all. And that all they, is very rare. I mean, there are. That's why there's all these patches. From what I hear, Act 3 is is pretty buggy and there are some issues. But I think the reason we're not hearing a lot about that is because Act 3 is, you know, 100 plus hours in, depending on how you want to play it. But now those issues are starting to surface. But Larian has been really great about being very transparent. They just put out a huge update today. Sorry, a, a verbal commitment says what they're working on. A roadmap. Uh, but a ro- yeah, yeah, that's a good word for it. Thanks, baby. But I wanted to just get that little singing the praises in there because I know the other thing I would like to talk about and that you had also mentioned is the inventory flow and how it's just kind of bad. Um, yeah. It's bad. Yeah, it's Let's not just great. call it bad. It's bad. I'm really surprised how bad it is. <laughs> it's really bad. Like for how long this game has been in development, the UX and UI of it is pretty like embarrassing. And that's a word that I don't use lightly. And like when I say embarrassing, I don't mean it's broken or like the aesthetics of it are bad because it's beautiful. The menus look great. But from a user interface perspective, it is not fun. It doesn't have flow. And I just, every time I go into it, I'm like, why did they make this choice? And that's the question that I like would love to hear from the team who was in charge of the UX and UI at BGS talk about of like why this choice because it takes multiple button presses to get to your map and to exit out of your map you have to hold do a long hold on the B button to get back to your character and the map can we talk about the surface map and how there isn't one yeah no that's pretty much it they don't give a shit about helping you figure out where you are (laughs) 
You know, everyone, there's a beautiful map of all of the different star systems and the planets. But once you finally land on one of these thousand planets that you could land on, good fucking luck to you. You're never going to know where you're going because there's a compass, but there's no mini map and there are no surface maps. There's no maps, everybody. Your best bet is on Xbox. Push LB, pull up your radar, find a landmark. Yeah, just look in the the horizon. (laughs) Yeah, and go. And I, yeah. No, when you scan a planet, because I haven't done that yet, it finds animals. But does it highlight other stuff? It'll highlight. Make your life easier? It'll highlight the resources and you can see, Uh uh, judge sort of maybe the terrain. Not really. No. You know, when you're looking at a planet from orbit and you can see if there are any points of interest on it, you can pick that and land near it. Or you could pick some spot in the middle of bumfuck nowhere and land there if you want. You don't see additional points of interest until you land and you pull out your scanner and you look across the Mm. terrain, look across the horizon and be like, oh, there's an unknown mark over there. Let me go there, see what it is. Surprise, it's a temple, whatever. Yeah. And the you have an upgrade path with your scanner because in the beginning, you can only scan things that are very close to you. And then as you go deeper into the upgrade path, you can zoom your scanner in and out. So because when you're on a planet to scan it fully also, this is going to drive completionists mad. And like the Mass Effect fangirl in me was like, ooh, planet scanning. I love that mechanic. I did so much of that in Mass Effect. I just like would sit and listen to that beautiful mining music. And it was like a great pastime. That is not what you're doing in this game, ladies and gentlemen, because in order to fully scan a planet, you have to land on it. And you are not going to want to land on most of these planets. Again, going back to that encumbrance issue. But also the fact that like a lot of these planets don't have anything on them. This was something that came up in a lot of conversations around No Man's Sky, right? Like this idea of having these procedurally generated worlds and this endless amount of opportunity to explore, but also like, but what are we exploring exactly? What's out there? Turns out there's a lot of these planets with a whole lot of fucking nothing. But there's also some planets that you get to, the like diamonds in the rough that have like, several cool structures to find and lots of environmental storytelling and things that you can go and do. And that's awesome. But there's a lot where you're just going to be like, what am I doing here? And so that's why it's been helpful for me to just focus on the main story path because it's so easy to get lost and then just be like, what am I doing here? What's the point of it all? I like mapping because eventually I'll be like, oh, for my outpost mining, if I want to specialize in a specific kind of weapon engineering, I'm going to need this one material more than others. So I should know which planets have high amounts of like carbon or whatever the fuck, right? Like, so that's just like you as a gamer deciding how you want to spend your time. But the menu system doesn't reflect all the complicated nature of the flow of gameplay systems all working together. And that's why I'm just confused because Bethesda knows how to do that. They've done it many times in their history over their franchises. And I'm just like, why does this menu system feel so clunky? To see your missions is multiple button presses, to get to what your gear is, multiple button presses. And like, I think part of that is like the Bethesda charm of like, oh, if I'm in battle, I have to like go into my inventory, go down to my aid menu, pick like the fucking like three donuts that I have in my inventory that all gonna give me five (laughs) health each. Right, that's like very classic BGS. But I just had hoped that it would make the modern gameplay design systems would make it a little bit more fluid. And it's not. It's just cumbersome. And like it takes me out of it. I literally fell asleep while playing this game. And that's never <laughs> happened to me while playing it. But that's RPG. I've literally only fallen asleep in two games in my entire career working in video games media. The first game, 
I fell asleep three times. It was Ellie Noir. <laughs> fell asleep three times playing that game. Yep. Bored as fuck. Didn't care for it. That's fine. Conversation for another time. The other game I fell asleep at was like the Paper Mario, like the 100 door room challenge because I just was so exhausted from doing that fucking challenge. I just couldn't keep going and I fell asleep. Very different experiences. And I fell asleep because I was, my brain was so done min-maxing the menu and the encumbrance and going in and out, in and out. I just couldn't deal with it anymore. And I'm trying really hard to put that aside because I want to keep exploring, but I don't know how I'm going to be able to push through. The other menu thing that's pretty clunky too is comparing weapons. Mm-hmm. <gasps> oh, because thank you, Brittany. It's the worst. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's <laughs> not a good system, unfortunately, at all. Because you have so many different kinds of weapon types and each weapon can take different ammo, right? And so, and you have these different methods of measuring what's a good weapon and what's not a good weapon. And there's no easy way, unless I've missed it, to compare weapons against one another unless you're comparing it to the weapon that you have equipped already. And it's just really clunky and not good. And I just honestly find myself at this point just getting rid of most stuff. I'm like, well, if I'm killing things, okay. Like, do I go by the value of this weapon? You clearly can't go by the rarity of it because the rarity even though it's way more rare, that might just be because it has more mods and it's actually not that much better. And it's, it's, it's just, yeah, it's a frustrating system. And I wish there was an easier way to figure out which kind of weapons I wanted to roll with and which ones are actually like, it's not as simple as just as looking at a menu, like this one has more firepower, therefore it's better. It's not that simple. And there's no easy way to compare them. And that's been kind of frustrating for me. Yeah. And the game doesn't tell you which thing is when you're doing the side by side, it doesn't say in the side by side, which one's equipped. You have to look. You have to look over on a different part of the menu and look for this little carrot in the corner of the bar where the thing is highlighted to remind yourself of which thing has equipped. Because normally in games that have gear, when you do a compare button and it's side by side, it'll very clearly highlight this is the one that's currently equipped and this is the one you're comparing it to. Not Starfield, everybody. You have to just figure it out. Yeah. Kind of a bummer. Yeah. So what we're saying is this game is phenomenal and amazing and wonderful in so many ways, but it still has some flaws. <laughs> some tedious <laughs> tendencies here and there. For that me, I think are going to grind out some players. Yeah, for me, it's nearly game-breaking because of the way that I'm playing. But that's why I'm not in love yet. I need a few more dates. It feels like shackles. It mm-hmm. feels like you almost are there to have this whole world at your whim. Again, like I keep going back to Baldur's Gate, but you can loot everything at any minute, any point you want. You can just travel back and just dump all your shit in a chest and come right back to where you were. And Diablo does that too. Yeah. Yeah. And Diablo, it is such a freeing feeling. It's like, oh, this whole world, I'm so excited to explore this, this, and this and do this. But now it's like, I want to explore this, but I can't. And that really sucks. And now I don't, ah. Yeah, because I've been pursuing the main storyline, I think it's fine that we don't talk about the narrative in this episode. We can talk about it next week. But because I've been pursuing it, I've seen quite a few different worlds, like jumping through the main quest lines. And Mm -hmm. a lot of it, I've just had to be like, later, 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 because I'm like, not only do I not have time to go explore, but I'm like, I don't have space in my inventory, nor do I have space in my brain to manage my inventory to go and explore. Because like you said, I have to just leave it all behind. And I just, I don't know why you make a game with a thousand planets and then make a fucking egregious encumbrance limit. <laughs> it's like, it's space. Don't we have like magic pockets yeah. in the year 23, whatever the hell we're in? Yeah. Camera space. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Okay, so before we wrap this episode up, do you think this is going to be a must-have? Is this a console seller? This is an exclusive to Xbox. What do you think that does for Xbox? I'm glad that you brought that up because Xbox has been in dire need of a behemoth RPG, and Starfield is 100% it. Like, Bethesda delivered for Xbox on the RPG that they've been missing in their first-party lineup. And I think Fable coming down the line will add to that, right? But we don't know when we're getting Fable. And this game being Xbox exclusive, I remember we talked about it, right? Like, I had to buy Danny a fucking bottle of alcohol because I was like, there's no way it's going to go Xbox exclusive. (laughs) But then it did. Like, that was a huge get for Microsoft and Xbox. And I think people who own Xboxes absolutely should play Starfield, especially because it's in Game Pass. The fact that this massive, incredible achievement of game making is available for what, like $11.99 a month? I don't even know what the basic Game Pass price is anymore because it's changed so much. But like, let's say between 10 and 15 bucks a month, you could play for 30 days and get like a really good amount of time in this game and then walk away if you want is mind boggling. It's incredible. Absolutely. Is it a system seller? Technically you can play it without an Xbox. So that's, it's a tough sell, but is it a must play if you have any kind of connection to the library? Absolutely. I think there's something for everyone in this game, unless you just, you know, don't like first or third person action because there's so many different ways you can play it. And aside from encumbrance making it hard for me, I am still able to do the things that I want to do. I can set my own goals. I will eventually get to the story. I knew Andrea was going gung-ho for stories, so I've saved that for her. (laughs) And I know uh, also Emily, when we get the chance to catch up with her and get her thoughts, she will also be very invested in the narrative. And from what I've seen of the narrative, again, passively watching my husband play, it is an incredible story, but we can get into that more. Is it something that I encourage everybody to try to play? Also, yes. I think this is a kind of game that if you have Game Pass, if you have Steam, if you have a Samsung gaming hub, like whatever your way in is, try it. There's just so much here that's just so special and done masterfully, despite all of the tedium and the problems that we have with some of the ways you get into the game. There's a lot to consume here and a lot of magic, a lot of wonder, a lot of discovery. And it's truly something you can't get lost in. And that's the type of experience that I really appreciate in my gaming. And it's single player, but it doesn't feel like you're alone when you're playing. And I really enjoy it. That was one of your concerns. I remember we were talking about it a while ago. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. We'll touch on the combat next week, but like the combat is a market improvement <laughs> over previous Bethesda games. Like you are a shooter girl like I am. Mm-hmm. And I was, I know you have, don't have as much experience playing Bethesda titles, but I was very pleasantly surprised by how well the gunplay is done in this game compared to previous Bethesda titles. Is it up to par with other first person or third person shooters? It's definitely, definitely not. not. But, <laughs> but it's still, it's still like fun to play and the guns feel different and they have personality and weights and so like you'll get to know what kinds of guns work for you but yeah more to say on the combat next week cool Oh, man, I can't believe this episode has gone for as long as it has. Didn't think it. But listen, this game is massive. It's a lot to unpack. And hopefully if you're still here at the end of the episode, and if you have questions, put them in the comments below. Things that aren't spoilery, of course. And we'll do our best to answer them. And like I said, we're going to be talking about this again next week. And... Hopefully you guys are going to play and let us know what you think about it. Yeah. And if you see me at PAX on this day, Oh, say yes, hi. PAX West is happening. I know this yeah. is like the first PAX that 
is post-pandemic that we're really not doing a big What's Good Games thing at. But, you know, our girl Rihanna is not traveling right now because, you know, the baby MP is is getting bigger every day. Um, I have some family stuff going on, so I'm not going to be coming up to Seattle. But Brittany... Check out Nintendo Live for us and have the yes. best time. I will. It'll be fun. It's going to be pretty low key, which I'm admittedly very much looking forward to. I'm only going to be there one day for PAX, another day for Nintendo shenanigans. It's going to be nice. And then you'll be coming yeah. back down to SoCal because boy, oh boy, is preview season heating up. <sighs> Lots of stuff happening, everybody. All right. You guys have a great weekend. Thanks for checking out our Starfield chat, and we'll see you all next week. Bye, everybody. 